You are listening to the One Hope Church Podcast. The following audio is from the weekly gatherings of One Hope Church in Orlando, Florida. We pray that you'll be encouraged and challenged as you listen. And for our purposes, we've been looking at what, what leadership looks like, what a time of transition looks like, because our church is in that very time, isn't it? Um, our lead pastor, Justin, announced three weeks ago that he's not going to be with us in the long run, and we've set out on a process of, of listening and, and planning. We're going to continue that process of listening today. I want to say thank you for Alex and Alec and Chris, the great job they did yesterday in calling a, a time of, of reflection and prayer and listening to each other about where God uh, is, is, is taking the church That was a great thing you guys did, so thank you. We're going to continue that, especially if you weren't able to attend that. In just a few minutes, we're going to take some time during this service to continue that listening process. And then we've got another step as well in listening that Nduka is going to share with us when he comes. But to get ready for that, we're going to continue to look at the book of Nehemiah. And this evening, I want to talk about the idea of innovation. Um, I think innovation is very important. I, I like innovation. I'm what they call an extreme user. I like to take uh, everyday products and use them in, in different ways to, to solve problems. You may not know this, but I used to actually have a little painting company when I was working my way through, through seminary in Illinois, and I had a partner. And each house we would do, and we did large homes and buildings, you know, you'd have to innovate at different parts of the job because every home was different. And I remember this one home, it had a very high peak, like three stories up. Well, we didn't have, you know, many resources. We were sort of poor seminary students. So to get up to the peak, we decided we had to lash together two step ladders, two two extension ladders. And I'm thinking all you first responders are already (laughs) grimacing, all right? And so we did that. We, We tied them together. And then one guy went up with the paint bucket. I think that was my partner. And I went up after him and just got in the middle where the ladders were together and just held on tight. So that's an extreme use of ladders. That's a type of innovation, a very dumb type of innovation, all right? But it was innovation, okay? (laughs) I didn't say I was a smart innovator. I think we're going to see in this book of Nehemiah that that innovation is, is part of this plan that God is using to restore the people of Israel and particularly to to build the wall. It's part of the work of their leader, Nehemiah. And because we see it there in Scripture, it's also part of what we need to be doing in the the days and the months ahead. And so the, the premise here is very simple. It's that next slide. It's nothing startling. But God uses our innovation. We talked about agency a while ago that, yes, God is involved, he's leading, he's guiding, he's sovereign over all things, but he still uses human agency. And one of those aspects of human agency is innovation. But you know, innovation is really another way to talk about creativity. That there's a God-given sense of of creativity that's embedded in each of us. And the techniques of innovation are not anywhere near as important as as the culture of creativity, that an organization expects, wants, desires its people to be contributing 
in, in creative ways according to their experiences, their skills, and the gifts that God has given them. That's a culture of innovation, and it's amazingly powerful. And we're going to see a little bit here how God uses a culture of innovation in the, in the restoration of the wall of Jerusalem. So we're going to look at chapter 3 in Nehemiah. And the first thing we're going to notice is that there's a, a, an expanding leadership. And this ties in with innovation because if you trust your people, you believe they're creative, you're going to push out responsibility, right? You're going to push out them taking charge of different areas because you believe in them, you trust them, you think that God is going to use their creativity. And we see that here in Nehemiah. He, remember last week he had, he had prepared for the building of the wall and then he motivated them. And it says the people rose up and said, let's build. And in chapter three, we begin to see that they're building. And verse one, it says, oh, how do you say that name? Elishib. That's a tough one. The high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel, the men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. This whole chapter just repeats that again and again and again. This group built this section of the wall and restored the gates. This group built this section of the wall and restored the gates. Now that's good Hebrew narrative style. It just keeps repeating for emphasis, and it's really showing, look, all the people rose up. They believed God. They, they listened to Nehemiah. They obeyed God, and they set their hands and their hearts to work. Except these guys here in verse 5. I just couldn't resist adding this in here. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. I mean, what a mistake for those guys. Now, for all eternity, this group of nobles <laughs> has been recorded as shirking their responsibility. I think there's a little jab that Nehemiah, you know, he got in there for these few who didn't come and contribute to the work. So we see, there's no way Nehemiah could build all the wall. Go to the next slide there, Connor, for me. He's got all this section of wall. This is the old city of David, and there are the different gates. There's no way he can manage, micromanage all that work. There has to be an expansion of leadership. And there's no way that he, he could anticipate what every section of the wall would need, what every gate would need, all the different repairs or equipment that would be required to repair them. He's entrusting this work to these groups of leaders. And he talks about the supervisors. So each section has uh, some form of leadership. He set the general direction as he heard from God. We need to restore the walls because we're in trouble. This is a disgrace. But then he, he gives the task. He gives this, this creative uh, task out to many, many different people. And the walls are being restored. So I think innovation at its very heart is an expansion of creative leadership. And we see that in Nehemiah. And I think that's a valid thing to draw from this text. But then we see also that innovation means responding and revising. Innovation is most needed when things don't go as planned. And that's what we read in, in chapter 4. When Sanballat, now we were introduced to him last week, he's a local leader, but he's an enemy of Nehemiah, and he doesn't want the, the walls restored. 
When he heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed, and he ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria. Now that's interesting. There's an army associated with Sanballat. That he's got, he's got troops. So he begins by ridiculing him. And Tobiah the Ammonite, he joins right in, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing on it would break down their wall of stones. But it escalates. So Nehemiah cries out to God, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. We don't have the whole text here because I, I didn't want to spend the time going through every verse. But uh, Nehemiah's response is, is, uh, is fairly stringent, isn't it? And it gets even worse as he goes on. But I want you to notice that, that Nehemiah, like David, when he's calling on God to repay his enemies, the, the clear thing is that he's not taking that on himself. He's turning that need over to God. These are enemies. These people don't love you. They hate your people. They're against what you're doing. And he gives that. He releases that back to God. All right? So that's the response of Nehemiah. He's turning again to God. He understands this project is under the care of God. So in verse 6, he says, We rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Let's go on to the next slide. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashad, these are, these are towns in the vicinity, not that far from Jerusalem, heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead, and the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. They plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. And from that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armors. So it starts with with ridicule, but now it's actually escalated to threats. Remember, they have an army, these enemies of Nehemiah. They have the forces. So this is a serious threat. And so I'm sure this wasn't in the original calculation of Nehemiah. Well, we can get the the wall built by this time through this activity, but uh uh-oh, now we're in real danger of being destroyed, of these enemies, armed enemies coming and attacking us. So Nehemiah begins to revise. He considers what's happening, and he begins to revise his plans. Go on to the next slide. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive, spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there, Our God will fight for us. So Nehemiah is innovating. New threats have arisen. He has to respond to them. He has half the people working. He has half the people armed, ready to fight. But even then, he knows that the wall is is, is too large in circumference. So he creates a communication system. He has a person with a trumpet 
always by him. And when he hears that there's the disturbance, he can blow the trumpet and send those armed people to that section of the wall. That's innovation. But even in that innovation, I want you to notice that, that what he does is he prays to God and sets a guard. He reminds the people, he says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And then because of that, you can fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So here again, we see this, this blend of divine providence and care. God's in charge of this. He's the one who sent Nehemiah. He had the king's heart moved to supply it all. He's motivated the people to start this work. God is behind it. And yet at the same time, uh, Nehemiah is innovating. He's meeting challenges. He's using his mind, his skills, his experience to meet those challenges. And so the work can go on. There's this divine blend of God's agency and man's agency that includes innovative solutions. And so that brings us to, in a sense, the point that we have to make in terms of our present transition. And that God has made you to be creative. He's made you to be creative in your life. In other words, I don't, it really doesn't matter what we do. You could look at it simply as, as I'm going to go and, and, and earn a wage, or I'm just going to take care of my house, just get this task done and move on to something that I like or that I could be entertained with. But if you believe that God has created you to be creative and innovative, to improve whatever you're doing, you can become a person, I don't care what job it is, who's investing himself in doing the job well, finding ways to improve it. And leadership almost always will come to a place where they trust you, where they're willing to to empower you with greater responsibility because they see that you're leaning into the work. You're, You're not just using it for a wage, but you believe that God has placed you there to be creative and innovative. I know that, that Jan and I have lived in a lot of places uh, in, our, in our married life. Um, over half of them rented. We've had some homes. But early on in our, in our marriage, we made this decision. We said, we're going to leave every place we rent better than when we found it. We're going to, even though we, we don't own it, we're going to have it better for the next family that moves into it. And that's been a constant theme of our families, always improving. And, and I think by in, in investing ourselves in that, in the everyday where we're living, it actually adds to us. Instead of seeing ourselves as, as takers, what can we get out of this situation? And seeing ourselves as, as givers, we actually put into practice the very thing that Jesus said. Paul reminded us, remember the Lord Jesus Christ said, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's not just money. It's talking about in investing, doing your work as unto the Lord, Paul says, and not just to please men. That there's something that happens that's transformed inside of us when we begin to invest creatively in the task, whatever they are, that God has given us. I think it brings life, and the other actually takes life. So becoming creative, investing, leaning into the jobs that God has given you, I think is an an important aspect for following Christ. 
And then lastly, here at One Hope, we need innovation. We're going to have a time of listening in just a minute, and we need all of you to be involved. We began that time of listening yesterday. We're going to continue it here for about a half an hour. There are going to be some other venues coming up, but we need your creativity. We need your ideas. You are the body. Just in the same way that Nehemiah didn't try to fix or repair all of the wall himself, he entrusted it to others. He listened to others. He allowed them to build in the way that they understood was best to build. That's what we need from each other in this church. We need your creativity. We need your innovation. Next Sunday, we, we are planning, just a month after we've found out that we are in this transition, we are planning to have a meeting where we set the general direction for One Hope Church. That's actually a pretty quick turnaround, but we've worked hard to do that. But what I want to caution is that next Sunday, we're not going to decide on some program. We're not going to say, okay, here's the the program of, of One Hope Church. Our goal is that we decide on a direction, on a goal, like Nehemiah. Our goal is to build the wall. He didn't necessarily detail how that was going to happen in every section. He gave that to the different leaders. We're going to set a direction for the church. And then in the months that follow, we together are going to innovate. We're going to try solutions. We're going to try prototypes. We're not going to try to say, here's the full-blown program of One Hope. But we're going to experiment. We're going to learn. Some are going to fail. We're going to learn from that failure. And we're going to continue to incrementally build the structures and the processes and the values and the behaviors that will move us into the future. But we have to do that together. Your creativity is essential to that process. So today, I think looking at Nehemiah, we just see another step forward how God wants to use this transition time in the life of One Hope. What you do is important. Your creativity is important. Your voice here is important. And that we're going to build this step by step as we move into the future. Can we do that together? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this time. Uh, We're going to be spending a few moments together listening to each other. Would you assure us that um, you're at work here? That you're the one who's behind even this process of listening and ideas? Father, I ask that that, uh, you would superintend this time. And just as you restored the fortunes of Jerusalem, We are asking you in the same way to restore the fortunes of One Hope Church. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the One Hope Church podcast. We encourage you to share what you've heard in conversation with family, friends, classmates, and coworkers. To connect with us or learn more, visit wehaveonehope.com.